and welcome to another episode of What's on the Pile. I'm Nathan Besner, and joining me tonight is Shane Lee. I am here. Jane Belcastro. Hello. Jessica Guptill. Hello. And Jenner. Hello. It's Southern Ladies' Night as we delve into Steel Magnolias, the story of a handful of Southern matriarchs and their goings-on with an absolutely stunning cast of amazing actresses, followed by Fried Green Tomatoes, the Southern Gothic-adjacent story of two women bonding over two other women and their mutual survival in a white men's world. These were both on my pile, and uh, I've been told to watch them for years, uh, especially living in the South. Uh, who else had these on their pile? Me? I, uh... Well, fried green tomatoes for sure. I think I'd seen. I knew I, I remember seeing uh, Julia Roberts die in Steel Magnolias as a kid. Uh, that's <laughs> all I remember. I, I did see a stage production of it starring uh, uh, Daniel Tampier as Nell. Oh, cool. Uh, Daniel Tampier was the lead in, in the film that I made, and uh, so I saw that two years ago. And I think that was mostly set in uh, mostly set in the uh, hair salon, and there are no male characters in it. You only hear about them. Oh. So, I have I don't I know nothing about the stage play. I I only know that it's based on a stage play. By a dude, worth noting. By a dude. All right. <laughs> I feel like yeah. you can kind of tell watching the movie that it's based on a stage play. Ab absolutely. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I I had not seen Steel Magnolias uh previously. I had not particularly wanted uh to see Steel Magnolias previously. Uh Why not? I thought uh it did not seem like the sort of thing that was apt to be terribly appealing to me, and I also will freely allow that uh, right at the time of its original theatrical release, I happened to stumble upon uh, the New Yorker review of the film uh, by the uh, uh, the inimitable uh, and, uh, and uh, great uh, Pauline Kael, which, surrounded by reviews of varying degrees of greater or lesser length, consisted of, in its entirety, two hours of nails screeching down a blackboard. <laughs> Which, wow. you know, I'm like, is a very quick opinion and not an actual review. I, I just think it's, it, it, you can't just dismiss something like that. I know Jenner says uh, I, we, that apparently... We... We've been discussing this. Pauline for, uh, Kale since... is allowed to do that, but you know, pa just Pauline, Pauline Kale gets to do it that. Right. It doesn't <laughs> make it right. Especially not something with Dolly Parton. She's a goddamn national treasure. That is the exact, yeah. the exact phrasing yeah, I used sure. last night. Right. Yep. <laughs> in, 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 in any event, I'm sure we'll circle back to this. Uh, as for fried green tomatoes, I had seen fried green tomatoes uh, on television. I think when uh, the the first time that it aired on NBC. And I liked it okay at the time. Uh, reviewing it at this point, there are parts that I think definitely hold up better than others, but uh, I'm sure we'll get to that uh, later on as well. Well, why don't we start with, we already started with Ma Steel Magnolias, so why don't we continue with Steel Magnolias? <laughs> um, I do, I do want to start out by, by making mention of this cast, and I, I want to just read it out. Sally Field, Dolly Parton. Shirley MacLaine, Daryl Hannah, Olympia Dukakis, Julia Roberts, Tom Skerritt, Dylan McDermott, and Sam Shepard are all in this film together. That's a hell Don't of a forget. cast. And Kevin J. O'Connor. Oh, Kevin he... J. O'Connor before he was <laughs> Benny from, from the the uh, the Mummy. And deep and, uh, and, and deep the dude rising. from Deep Rising. Stephen Sommer's favorite go-to that guy. <laughs> he is. A, he's a good go-to that guy. 
Yeah, he is indeed. I love that bit in Deep Rising. Is is that the girl from Ipanema? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think this was one of Julia Roberts' really, really early roles. Uh, yeah, aside from uh, Satisfaction, the Justine Bateman vehicle about uh, the uh, the uh, 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 the girl rock band, uh, this was uh, this was, well, to use the Southern phrase, this was pretty much her coming out uh, role. Wait, so I mean, speak. wasn't Mystic Pizza, or am I thinking of somebody else? Oh, you're right. Mystic Pizza was before this, but this was the first one that she really hit. Mystic Pizza, again, had a bit more of that ensemble quality. So this was like, you know, Julia Roberts, you know, faint at stardom, uh, take three. And you'd say this wasn't an ensemble? Oh, no, it was, an, <laughs> it, it was absolutely an ensemble piece. Uh, um, I love Dolly Parton. I, I want to talk oh. more about how she's just an amazing human being. And and she can usually, she can do no wrong to me. She's just a wonderful I loved her in nine to five. I, I love her and I love her in best little whorehouse in Texas. She's just a fantastic person. She does now good that's things. A, that, that one's actually on my pile. Mine too. Uh, oh, the, yes. Mine too. I guess. Wait, which I one? was reading a book where it was mentioned a couple of times. So the, I know. Uh, the best little whorehouse in Texas. I have not seen that. Uh -oh. <laughs> well, you all well, are in all for a piles. treat. <laughs> Got to circle back to that one. Yeah, uh, absolutely. No, hey, Dolly. Maybe we Maybe we oh, can God. do that yeah. for the podcast Amelia wants to join. Oh yeah, Amelia wants to do a podcast. <laughs> you're 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 going to bring how old is Amelia now? Nine? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, this is a film called The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. <laughs> it's Obviously not... I was joking, Jenner. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we've talked, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that liberal of a parent. <laughs> Well, you did, you did, you did let Amelia watch uh, Psycho Goreman, right? I'm that liberal of a parent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 That's usually preceded by ten minutes of fighting and me giving giving up. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I don't think I've seen Dolly Parton in anything else. I mean, she was abs I mean, she was the star of the show. I mean, she was she lit up the screen every time she was on. But I can't think of another movie she was in that I've seen because I haven't you seen. Have... I haven't seen Whorehouse. I haven't you have seen uh... Nine to Five. I don't think I've seen 9 to 5. Is yeah, that the yeah, Blake yeah. Edwards 9 to 5? No. Am I, I thinking of the right movie? Never mind. Uh, no, that's not Blake Edwards. The one uh, from uh, the yeah, song. No, yeah, the one from the song. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Dabney Coleman. Oh, maybe, I maybe I have seen that. Yeah, it's been, anyway. eight, it's been ages since I've seen that one as well. Um, I forget who directed that, honestly. Uh, in any event, yeah. though... Um, but you you you've never feasted your eyes on the uh, the, the the slab of uh, of uh, cinematic bewilderment that is rhinestone. I have not. <laughs> <laughs> that might be one to circle back on later on as well. We but, might... Oh, Do Dolly Parton is lovely. She definitely gets, I think, the stagiest of the lines in the picture. Um, but she, but yeah. but she's still uh, she's still my second favorite in the cast of this movie. Who's I mean, I felt like this. Well, I... Oh God, no! Uh, Shirley MacLaine. <laughs> Shirley MacLaine. Yeah, yeah. Shirley MacLaine. Yeah. Uh, no, I, 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 I would. Uh, the only person in this movie that I would cheerfully hang out with, who I think would be able to tolerate cheerfully hanging out with me, would be Shirley MacLaine's uh, Weezer. She was awesome. Yeah. I, I, I loved every second that she was on screen in this movie. Did not care for most of the rest of the movie, but uh... I don't know. You couldn't kind of couldn't have uh, Weezer without Clarice. Eh. <laughs> eh. I, I don't know. know. I felt like she had half the good lines in reference to Weezer. 
They played off each other very well. Uh, I thought that Dukakis. I I thought Dukakis has been uh, a lot better in a lot of other stuff. I mean, I loved her in Moonstruck. Um, oh, she's so good. Yeah, in she that. she kind of yeah. she kind of just smirked her way through this movie. I thought. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I thought seeing the stage production, I thought Weezer was like Weezer is in the band. Uh, <laughs> watching it, watching it now with subtitles, I realized her name is Louisa. And, yeah, it's uh, short for Louisa. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm with you, though. A weird southern nickname. And, and, I thought the same thing. And at the same time, a contraction of uh, of yes, sir. Oh, we in, sir. in, in, oh. in, in <laughs> French, sir. <laughs> no, I I I loved Shirley MacLaine very very dearly. She was the only part of this movie that I particularly want to hold on to personally. Um, I like I say, I uh, I don't agree with Pauline Kael's review of the film. Knowing where what where Pauline Kael was coming from, I see where Pauline Kael was coming from. But uh, I I, uh, I I I I like to think that I maintained a, a pretty open mind going through it. I actually thought uh, uh, Tom Skerritt's uh, uh, turn, given that it was underwritten like most of the men in the picture, was you know, kind of underappreciated. But he did have some uh, uh, some nice stuff to do. Dylan McDermott should never do a Southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get the feeling there are like 17 more minutes of non-redundant material that they shot with him. And they took a look at it and it was just like, do we need it? No, we don't need this. <laughs> so he only, he only has two scenes in the entire film that he actually delivers any lines in right near the beginning and right near the end. And he's just kind of there without saying anything for most of the rest of the movie. Yeah, the the majority of his characterization is told from third person. Like he's, and his hair and his yeah. hairdos and his hairdos. Like I couldn't tell if he was a bad guy or a, an okay guy who seemed kind of douchey, but then he wasn't. I I wasn't really clear on his character, but he seemed all right at the end there. Well, I don't well, know when he crawled into the window and gave her that that you promised me you're going to marry me speech. I thought that. You know, sort of started to make him look great, but then you find out later it's because she was thinking about not marrying him because she couldn't have kids, mm -hmm. so or shouldn't. Have. Yeah. But at the same time, of course, you get Julia Roberts' uh, whole uh, you know the line that kind of stuck with me, but when she was talking about having a baby, maybe it'll help. Oh yeah, we yes, that oh, line. Oh, yes, that was. Yeah. We, we didn't that see was a lot a of bit dark. We didn't see a lot of the context that was going in that direction, but. Uh, that's not how you fix a marriage. That's not yeah. how you fix a marriage, which I think uh, we were both either inwardly or outwardly. I honestly don't remember yelling at the screen uh, as that was uh, <laughs> I think happening. it was inward. I'm pretty sure I actually cringy. said that out loud to Nate yeah. while we were watching it. Yeah, usually that portends, you know, a doomed relationship. I mean, in this case, it was doomed because, you know, someone's going to die. I thought he, at the very end, when he was signing the, uh, I guess, the do not resuscitate, he was just kind of like, all right. He just takes it, signs it. There's like no reaction. Yeah. He just casually just signs it and hands it over. I don't know if that means he's a bad guy. I think that whole, I mean, I'm kind of jumping to the end, but that whole sequence was kind of muted, I felt, emotionally. He's kind, yeah. of, an, he's kind of an artifice of the plot. I mean, granted, it's, the movie's not about the men. I mean, no. a, lot of, a lot of the reviews that it had when it was originally released uh, went into the, you know, the, the men not being particularly well-developed. It's yeah, not I mean, freaking about for them. them. It's yeah, not, exactly. They're not even in the play, so they you mean, only learn about them through dialogue in the play. So I guess they did the best they could with what they had. As and, person, and it. Oh, go ahead. Oh, as the person who suggested these movies, uh, more specifically Fried Green Tomatoes, but we'll get to that later. The whole reason I suggested these movies is because you guys keep having long lists of movies that are mostly men. 
So I felt you should have something that had a few more women. Absolutely agree, and thank you. I was very happy that we were doing something different. But we, you know, we did do the Little Women. That was also, I think, my suggestion. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I I did feel while watching this and noticing, you know, how underserved the men was. I was like, this must be how women feel all the time watching most movies that are out. Most women, most people of color, they must feel this way. Yeah. Yes. Feeling not represented. So, I mean, that was nice to watch. My very first note while we were watching this movie was how happy I was to see that the credits coming on the screen at the beginning were women after women after women, because a lot of times, even when there's a man as a minor part, sometimes he will get listed before the women. Yeah, like mm-hmm. uh, Tom Skerritt build above Sigourney Weaver in Alien. Yep. <laughs> well, that was kind of a con job in its own right. That 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 was lending a false impression that, you know, he was bulletproof. Uh, mm. That that was, I, I, I mean, on the one hand, it probably was a a, 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 a contractual thing. On the other hand, it just serves, at least in hindsight, as a very elegant fake-out. Leaving that aside, uh, yeah, no, you're 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 a, you're absolutely right on your broader uh, on your your broader take there because I mean, like movies that have you know men and women in them, the women, unless it is specifically focusing on them, are usually not first billed unless it's a porn film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, a lot of times in other movies, women are are the way that men were in this movie butts of the jokes, and props to move the plot along. Yeah. So it was Turn nice up. to see a movie where women are, and their relationships are the first thing. Right. They're not the sex pots or the, you know, the goofballs. They're Just friends. the prime focus. Mm-hmm. And you see it, and you're like, I want friends like that, or, you know, that's, hey, that's my friends resemble that, or, you also, know. Also, one of my notes for this movie is this movie made me wish I had more lady friends. There you go. Because I've got like one. So. <laughs> Maybe two. <laughs> Does your grandmother count, Nate? <laughs> She's family. I pro- Probably not. Okay, I guess like one. <laughs> uh, something I found interesting uh, in both films, but uh, I, I really saw it here in this one, was that... Um, these uh the these films that are considered women's films that are considered lady centric um they revere age in a way that a lot of men centric films do not uh action films and that sort of thing there's there's uh a love of the matriarch uh in the way there is not of the of the patriarch in a in a certain way like old elderly people are not treated with such respect in your average film in this genre, or if it's even considered a genre, um, they are. I think there's yeah, a really no, good cut. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd say a lot more often, uh, if there is a patriarchal figure in a male centric film, they are uh, sort of like, uh, say Christopher Lloyd in the recent nobody, uh, basically a sidekick. <laughs> uh, but more often they are the, Example that uh, our bullheaded protagonist is uh, rebelling against. Uh, not always, but uh, but definitely more often. Uh, Except I... Alfred and Batman. Well, that's a <laughs> well, that's a very different dynamic as well, and that's not an actual father. That's a father figure. Father figures are almost always fine unless they turn uh, unless they do a uh, a a heel turn in the last act. Yeah. 
We know uh, our tropes. <laughs> <laughs> I also think there's a, a really simple explanation for why uh, women are revered in these films, and that's because, unlike men, they get better with age. Uh, no. <laughs> um. <laughs> the crickets go. <laughs> if, if you had a, if you had a male Weezer, it would just be an asshole. <laughs> just be a grumpy asshole. You'd have like he'd be played by Harry Dean Stanton, and he would just be a. They dick. made that movie. Yeah, it's but, called yeah. Grumpy Old Men. Yeah, but if he but if he was played by Harry Dean Stanton, you couldn't help but love him regardless. I mean, that's, that's almost true. the point of the straight story. That's <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh, no, but I I mean I I would. Uh, I would posit as a counterexample the last 15 years of Paul Newman's film career, but leaving that aside uh, for the moment, um, but I forget where I was going with that. Oh no! <laughs> How often does that happen? Must, must be the must be the age catching up with me. Oh, <laughs> yes, we are we are all getting older, 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 older. So I mean, it's one of those things where the, with the individual mileage of the specific. Uh, picture will vary but yeah there are there are certain tropes that uh, one either leans in or one leans against um, we identify them as best we can but th this definitely falls into the uh, you know the female ensemble dynamic kind of defined it uh, for the uh, the late 80s and to a great extent in the 90s uh, led to you know stuff like beauty shop albeit you know that was a spin-off of barbershop movies but it's still the same principle there you know there are still I mean, good lord! It got a uh, an all African American remake uh, for for television some years years back, which I would almost be curious to give a look to in its own right. I mean, good lord knows that you know whoever they cast in the Daryl Hannah role, she had to be better than Daryl Hannah was in this movie. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Uh, <laughs> talk about uh, talk about an artifice of the plot, uh, but uh, yeah, you were she... gonna say something. You were gonna say something, Nate. No, oh, no, she just uh, Daryl Hannah kind of skeeved me in in this film. Uh, I, you know, when she would delve further and further into into Christianity and she got weirder and weirder, it was not helped by the performance. And it just made no. me feel kind of icky to, yeah. to watch her. It felt very stilted. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it. Like the scene where she gets down and starts praying by the stove at one point in the background. It was it was just sort of, I don't know, not well directed or. It felt stagey. She felt stagey. Yeah. She felt like she knew she was on stage. Yeah. She 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 did she didn't feel like a fully articulated character. She felt like a collection of behaviors that were necessary to comment on the plot as it moved along. You yeah, know, I, one of the things that really made me like start to cringe really hard was when she went up to Sally Field in the um in the uh the graveyard. Oh. Her daughter died. Mm. And did, I mean, uh, I guess you know Sally Field took it much better than I would have, but uh, she did. She did. She did a pretty good job, you know, putting her in her place, but helping her still feel all right about it. But still, wow. I, I think yeah. I actually think that that scene by Daryl Hannah was was meant to be like you're 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 supposed to think, oh no, here it comes. Yeah. And she's supposed to give a a talk that actually isn't so bad. I mean. I think that's what we were supposed yeah, to do. We were supposed yeah. to get that, but that's not what I got. <laughs> I mean, well, I, 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 re cringe. I, I remember after she had finally gotten out, what she was saying was like, okay, that wasn't that bad. But it, it still yeah. led to uh, to uh, Sally Field's uh, you know, rather famous uh, breakdown immediately following. 
which, which I, I will admit moved me to tears because it's Sally Field and I really like her. But I have only seen Sally Field be that much of a Sally Field in Soap Dish. Oh, I, I, I have, actually haven't seen Soap Dish all the way through. I can see that. Uh, she, she did actually have uh, a lot of... She did, she did Sally Field almost that hard in uh, Punchline. Uh, the, the the movie that she did with Tom Hanks, although that was cringy era Tom Hanks doing cringy era Tom Hanks cringier than he had ever Tom Hanksed before. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> which makes that movie actually a pretty damn hard watch, if I recall correctly. It was actually directed by the writer of The Omen, if that tells you anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've I have only seen the first fifteen minutes of Punchline. That's on my pile, or should it's it be? Kind of- uh, well, it's worth seeing if I recall correctly. It it's still kind of a rough watch, but uh, that's uh, one of the uh, one of the ones where, of course, the father figure is the character that the bullheaded male protagonist is definitely and assuredly rebelling against. Uh, but Sally Field, if I recall, actually did give a really nice performance. In I like. Sally. I mean, I've, 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 I've never I, I, seen her give a really bad performance in anything. I don't know is that I've ever seen her give a great performance in anything. I uh, thought that Steel Magnolia's performance was pretty. Amazing. Uh, it, for that monologue, yes. From the rest of the movie, she was yeah. ta- she was tasked with basically playing counterpoint uh, to an actress in her star turn who was attempting to suck all of the oxygen out of the room <laughs> whenever she was on screen. <laughs> I well, I, I think I was telling Nate. Uh, I feel like the whole movie was like fine, and then that that funeral scene with Sally Field is what made the movie worth watching. Like, I'd be happy just watching that 10 minutes. If you did not laugh and you did not cry during that scene, there's something wrong with you. Well, actually, uh, if you want to bypass the rest of Steel Magnolias, there was a very interesting take on that scene in one of the episodes from, I think, the second season of The Kaminsky Method uh, on Netflix, where it was performed by one of Michael Douglas's uh, uh, students, uh, and it was an interesting uh, uh, bit of uh, uh, sort of acting ledger domain because uh, uh, she did it twice. First, as the st- uh, the character basically attempting to imitate Sally Field doing that role, and the second time actually doing the role herself. It was actually a very, really interesting scene, and if anything, probably made me more open to actually watching this movie than I might have otherwise been. Maybe I should watch that show sometime. It's really good. It's a good show. I don't want to watch a lot of TV anymore. So, you know, individual. Oh, go ahead. No, okay. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna change the subject entirely. If you want to oh, respond uh, to that. Oh, I was just gonna say individual <laughs> mileage will vary, of course. But uh, yeah, we all of us us have way too much stuff begging for our attention. Yes. <laughs> uh, something I observed while watching the film is that as as it went on, the uh, first the the scenes, each individual scene. Uh, was essentially a backdrop for conversation to happen. There, there weren't scenes per se. There, it was almost like vignettes um, that would time jump here and there. Uh, they started out long. They started out as long scenes that would go on for a while, that would have a lot of dialogue between uh, multiple characters. But as the film went on, uh, it got, they got shorter and shorter. All of those scenes just started getting really short. Uh, and it would focus on smaller, quieter moments. And I found that interesting. I'm not really sure what that says about the film, but uh, I noticed it. Well, it definitely feels like a carryover from its stage roots. Uh, the, uh, I mean, the, 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 
covering a a, a major amount of time as a, as a thing goes on, but sort of compressing that timeline as you know sort of the weight of incident kind of falls down on uh, on everybody. That's relatively uh, standard uh, approach for plotless plays. Well, and I thought that the uh, okay, but I thought that the um, the whole day of the wedding, you were introduced to everybody and given their basic, you know, deals right there. I mean, that's I, and then they went to the shorter. You even got vignette. introduced to Rhett the dog. Yeah, that dog got such a I bad love rap. That dog. Yeah, He's like, I know. He, he, he seemed dog. like he seemed like such a neat dog, and they were giving him such shit. Oh. And they were shaving him backstage. Was he that <laughs> ugly? He just looked like a dog to me. Everyone was talking about how ugly he, he is. He wasn't ugly. He no, was he just a St. Bernard. There is no such... Nobody taken a, a razor to. Yeah there, yeah, there is no such thing as an ugly St. Bernard. Fight me. <laughs> Cujo, fucking adorable. <laughs> no, I'll agree with that. Cujo is adorable. I remember that movie, and I was like, oh, poor puppy. Got Aww. blood all over his snout. Who's a good boy? Okay, I'm presuming that four out of five of us have lived in the South for most of our lives, right? Yep. I've, yeah, yeah I've, I've lived there a total of two years, not counting college. Has anyone met any other Southern people with such bizarre names as were in this movie? I mean, the husband, Drum, Malin, Shelby. I guess Shelby's okay, but my son kept going, Shelby, GT Mustang. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I think that might Weezer. be a... a I think that might be a Louisiana thing as much yeah. as anything else, and I have no direct experience of Louisiana. Um, well, I, actually, I, it was filmed in Natchitoches, and my cousin and uh, my acquaintance from college, they went to high school there. And um, now that I think about it, uh, I'm, trying, I'm thinking Diane changed her name to Romana, which is really cool. And then um, my, my friend, I, I think she's switch from Catherine to America or something like that, which is kind of funny. Marika. I don't know. I've never never had like I said, my, it, before, it, but it I, might... I, I, I don't think that I have met anybody with really odd names. I mean, you know, I'm trying to think. No. It's that vague Francophonic influence, I think, as much as anything else. Hmm. I've... Yeah, it, it's not characteristic of the part of Georgia that I live in. I had, yeah. I, I, I mean, of course, I'm, I, my area is super suburbanized anyway, so it's, uh, it's not that far from you know, sort of a more conventional cosmopolitan zone of civilization. Consequently, you know, I grew up with you know kids with names like you know frickin' Brad and Steve and shit. And well, see. yeah, but I mean, I knew plenty of like Brads and Steves and Mikes and stuff, and, and I grew up in Columbus, Mississippi, which is tiny. So you know, I I'm now everybody was like Lynn and Patricia and you know dozens of Lisas everywhere you look. Uh, I Mikes and Marks and loads of Jims. <laughs> I live in Charlotte, so uh, everybody from here is from New York. <laughs> and California. And California. That's right. That's kind of how the Atlanta area is too. Lots of northerners showed up, yeah. or Californians in this. Yeah, you know, thanks to their cat, their the movie theater podcast too. I know it's Lucian. <laughs> no, I, I, I think, I, I think the odd names uh, and the odd nicknames are a particularly Louisiana thing, or at least I'm assuming so. Either that or 
Robert Harling, who wrote the original play, was just making shit up. I don't, I don't know where he's from. <laughs> well, he also, I mean, this is apparently based on his real experience with his sister who died the same way. So who knows? Maybe, maybe these are people he knew, but name-wise, yeah. Who eh, knows? Could be. I don't know much about the backstory on the play itself. Why didn't you research it, Nate? This is your podcast. I don't know. I don't know. I I I wanted to focus on the film, I guess. Um, which I, I which I, in the end, um, I thought was just okay. I did. I thought the film was just okay. I think the ending was phenomenal. I think that the individual actresses were phenomenal. But the film, but the film itself, left me a little bit cold uh, in the build up. I think it was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah I fine. thought it was okay. I think um, eh. whatever you think this film is going to be, you're probably right. Thank like, you. That is, that was it, why I that was why I got Kale's review entirely. Uh, although I, I I did this is completely incidental to the actual opinion of the movie as a whole. I find it interesting that. Uh, the score was uh, by by the great George Delarue. The opening and the closing credits uh, music uh, actually sounds like a dry run for his music for Joe versus Volcano, which I think uh, was done right around the same time. I think it was the following year, and which, which of course is one of my fa- all-time favorite film scores ever. I do not recall any music whatsoever from the interior of the film. No, I can't either. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, me neither. Yeah, well, no. Yeah, no, really, but the opening... Really, the, yeah, oh, go ahead. They really missed the opportunity to pop in a Dolly Parton song or two. That might have been a bridge too far, realistically. <laughs> She's, it's one of, I mean, this is one of her relatively serious dramatic roles. Throwing on the extra hat there would be, well, too much hat, you know? <laughs> Come on, we could have had a musical salon scene. That would have been great. That would have been great. I I think I probably would have liked it even more then. But, well, you know, there's one thing we didn't discuss that I did want to mention. Um, Okay, so not only, I don't think she was necessarily, Julia Roberts' character, was necessarily trying to save her marriage with the baby. But um, I... Baby fever is real. (laughs) (laughs) That you you get to a certain age and suddenly that it becomes a real and true biological imperative. I didn't care about babies at all, and then I got into my mid twenties or you know, thirty, and it's all I could think about. So I can kind of see that. I don't know if any, uh, Jess, if you I've actually personally never experienced that. Uh I always knew I should. I always knew I'd be a pretty good parent, mm-hmm. but if we had not had kids, I probably would have been fine with it. Like I, I probably never... would have been fine if I'd gotten past it, yeah. but I didn't get past it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, I gotta we're... have a gotta get a baby. Hi, I gotta have a toddler. <laughs> we're, we're we're going to have to allow. I think that it is probably perfectly normal and normative that it kind of left me and Nate and Shane cold. Arguably, it is a distinct failing of the picture if it left both of uh, both Jess and Jane cold as well. I don't know that cool. left me cold. Cold. I mean, I enjoyed watching it. I loved the lines. For me, it was nice mm-hmm. seeing uh, female friendship portrayed mostly honestly. I do feel like she- not Shelby, uh, Daryl Hannah. Uh, she- <laughs> yeah. What was her character's name? It was something Anel. really weird. Anel. Anel. 
I, she was the one I didn't feel like was a real character. She was sort of like a prop to get the plot going and then a prop mm-hmm. to end the movie. But the other one, it felt like, you know, real lifelong friendship. And it was really nice to see that portrayed. Um, it's a nice in the movie. Film. So yeah, it was, I, I agree. I enjoyed watching it. I loved the ending. The, the funeral scene had me dripping tears and then laughing hysterically. And Nate will tell you I don't laugh very often. <laughs> so so I'd put it like I, I would I'd watch the last fifteen minutes again joyfully. And the rest was just fun because it had a million good quotes. But so I put it slightly above. It was fine. And I'll agree with yeah. that. Uh, almost hundred percent. Uh I will say that uh I seem to remember it better. I, I remember that I that it was I thought it was better. Maybe it just didn't age very well. Maybe I just didn't age very well. I don't, Me too, because sure. I remember watching it like 10 or 15 years ago and loving it and, yeah. and watching it. So maybe it's like, I don't know. Well, it's like, possible it's one of we those. We become more sophisticated, ladies. <laughs> well, it's also possible that it's sort of getting colored in hindsight by, ironically enough, the long, long series of quote-unquote women's pictures that it uh, absolutely influenced so, to chick the point flicks. where we can chick flicks. You can say it. Yeah. Well, I, I was thinking of the uh, the constant description through much of his career of Herbert Ross, the director, being described as a, a, as a go to director for quote women's pictures end quote. That's that that's that's not an original characterization on my part, but uh, it, it's there's lots of stuff that it's influenced subsequently, and at this point you can kind of see the seams. Uh, I, I spent most of the movie well aware of exactly where this was going and entirely conscious to the degree to which the movie was attempting to manipulate me, or if not me, then at least the audience. Uh, it's fine. It's, it, 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 uh, it, it does what this sort of picture does. It's, uh, I always say there, there are movies where you know, they have their audience, they're not for me. That's fine. I mean, at least unlike Twilight, this isn't actual shit. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) All right. On that note, uh, we are going to go ahead and take our break. Uh, We will be right back. Turns out they're more closely related to uh, cacti than uh, earth primates, but. Deep in the forgotten corners of our galaxy, a mighty space hulk blazes through the stars. Its crew, a motley gang of misfits who are just out for a good time. He's sparking for fuck's sake. They have harnessed the mysterious fuel called nostalgia. And we're off, alright. By remembering the cartoons of their youth. Now, standing in their way, the evil Emperor Sorbax. Stand down and Who just wants to shut this crew down and conquer every planet along the way. Thankfully, their ship holds a weapon with enough firepower to restore the balance. Yes, you neglected the anime space cannon. They are. The Bastards of the Universe. I think you know damn well who we are. Thursdays at 8. Let's cast this pod. Only on Twitch. And we 
are back. Uh, now we're going to be talking about Fried Green Tomatoes, starring uh, Kathy Bates, uh, uh, Jessica Tandy, uh, Mary Stuart Masterson, and Mary Louise Parker. Um, this is a very different film than I expected it to be. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I did not see most of what happens in the film coming. Uh, I was kind of on the edge of my seat <laughs> at certain, certain points. This is a uh, this is a much different film from Steel Magnolias. Yeah, I mean, I went into Steel Magnolias knowing exactly what it was going to be and being correct. Uh, this one, I had, I thought it was going to be Steel Magnolias, but at a diner. And instead, I uh, did not did not expect murder. Uh, uh, cannibalism. Cannibalism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unrequited lesbian love, and you know the Ku Klux Klan showing up, and and one early horrific uh, death. Yeah, it was it was very oh. surprising. Chris O'Donnell, he's in the movie for like five <laughs> <Yeah>. minutes. <laughs> okay, so when we're watching the movie, uh, Chris O'Donnell gets stuck on the train. They're doing the thing where the hat's getting further and further away from him. And I turned to Jess and I said, are they going to kill Chris O'Donnell five minutes into the movie? And she yeah. said, no, of course not. He, <laughs> he I, might just well, lose an arm or something. Yeah, well, those, that, those, bo- those shots of the hat were terrifying. Confused. Yeah, that's right. They're, they're two buddies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the, the part knew... with the hat was terrifying. You're right, Shane. Yes. I remembered that a buddy lost an arm. I forgot there were two buddies. Probably because Chris <laughs> O'Donnell is only in the movie for like five minutes. So. He does He does make an impression, though, which I think was what led on to the, uh, uh, the, the next phase of his career where he was, you know, the bland Caucasian, you know, adolescent or, or, or immediately post-adolescent lead. Uh, which thankfully he finally got over a while later after people had stopped casting him in things. But uh, <laughs> leaving that, le- leaving aside sh- shade for Chris O'Donnell, oh, uh, poor Robin. Poor Robin. Well, yeah, I, that's like literally the only other thing I can remember him in. Same. <laughs> you know, is... one of his early scenes when he's talking to Iggy, I didn't realize they were brother and sister. I was like, is he gonna bang her when she grows up? <laughs> like, 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 is, this, is this one of those movies? But then, well, you know, well, she she did acknowledge that she had a crush with it on him, just in a very roundabout fashion, and in a way that you don't fully put together until the end. Of yeah, the maybe that's what uh, I, maybe that's what I was thinking. But then, then he said, then he said something about her being his his sister or something. So I was like, okay, that's not yeah. that's not this type of movie. <laughs> Even if it is Alabama, they don't go in that direction. Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick Cersei ter- coming coming back. Uh, I... Yeah, that that was a, a, a something I had definitely not re, uh, uh, remembered. Uh, I had no idea he pri- was in this movie. Yeah, primarily knowing him at this point as uh, as uh, um, Raylan Givens' boss from Justified, where he was never less than the guy that you wanted on your damn side. I, I didn't even I didn't even put the two together as the same person right now because in Justified he's so damn likable. And in this movie, like you immediately see his face want to punch it. Yeah. He aged. He improved with age. What can yeah. we say, Jess? <laughs> if, if not in politics, I re- I remember him mostly from Gamergate these days. Oh, I I missed that part. But yeah, yeah. But we're Even here so. to- but we're here to talk about lesbian love and cannibalism, not Nick Thirsty. <laughs> no, no, we, we, no, no, <laughs> no, no. Here's cannibalism. Here's the thing, and this is the one thing, uh, aside from a couple of I think ill-advised uh, drop-ins of uh, of uh, quasi-popular songs at the time, that kind of rankles with me a little bit. Which is, 
this should not this should have been a, le- a lesbian love story. I realized that 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 strain of film hadn't really gone mainstream at the point when this was released, but it should have been a le- lesbian love story. But as it is, it is it is a movie about you know your your sister or your cousin or your gym teacher and her friend, you know, and their they, dog. They, that they, they, they live, live they live they live together. They have big dogs. They wear comfortable shoes. <laughs> their friends which is probably not a uniquely southern phenomenon or a, a, a uniquely southern way of uh, kind of hand waving or just deliberately ignoring that sort of thing but i feel that they should have been more honest about it in this movie i, I think I, that uh, that the fact that you can say you know they were just really 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 deeply good friends is not a bad thing it it could go either way i don't think it matters um i think it's nice to be able to think either which way you want honestly i don't think you need it described or um defined in any sort of way beyond that they loved each other that's that's all that really matters i mean apparently it's it's more overt in the novel that's what I read, and they so they deliberately toned that down for the movie. I guess oh. just for you know the, mass audiences. The, yeah. One the, thing Nate, one thing Nate said that I agree with was he he said I read they toned toned the lesbian subtext down for the movie, but I don't think they did, and I kind <laughs> of agree with him because to me it was I mean I have I haven't like like Steel Magnolias I haven't watched the movie in probably ten years, and to me it was very immediately obvious. I mean. Hmm. That that, uh, that food fight, that food fight is a sex scene. God damn it! (laughs) (laughs) And just the looks they give each other sometimes. Like there's there's one scene where like I think it's Iggy's reaching up and like pushing Ruth's hair behind her ear, but it might be the other way around. Yeah, yeah, no, that's 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 one of those things that has uh, that has uh, become and it was a it was a a covert trope prior to this movie. It was pretty much an overt trope uh, after this movie. You know, the pushing the hair back over the ear. That's yeah, that's a thing. I'm very close to my best friend. I do not remember in 30 years of knowing her ever pushing my hair behind my ear (laughs) okay i'll give you all that for sure i I absolutely will give you all that for sure but i still i feel like it has you know deniability enough that you know that deniability deniability up for a major movie studio well i I mean exactly so the church ladies can watch and go no they were just friends and that's why we love it so much well that's exactly what i'm saying that's exactly how that phenomenon exactly oh i know socially i wasn't saying that wasn't what you're saying (laughs) i was merely putting it that that uh i didn't think it was that over i thought it was you know it, 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 there was still some question in my mind, even though I mean, you know, I, and it, but it you're right a, about the whole like, hair thing. I it, mean, it might yeah. be a product of our time that we are aware of it now, because like I said, I, I've seen this movie oh, years no, ago, I, and the uh, lesbian part, and I've read the book, and mm-hmm. the lesbian part never occurred to me until Nate, till I saw something on Reddit recently about how, which is why I brought this movie up to Nate to watch. If somebody was saying there was like, like the, what Nate said, the lesbian subtext is more overt in the book i have the book i've read the book multiple times when i was much younger and i don't remember it from the book or the movie but now i see it 
And I saw it this time. So I wonder if it's a product of our time that we're now a lot more aware of that kind of thing in film. I don't know about have. that. I, I, I might but... have been uh, I might have been an early adopter on this sort of thing. But back in, I guess it was about 1993 <laughs> that uh, that I saw this on the NBC broadcast. Uh, I spent the entire movie inwardly, uh, you know, screaming at the screen, kiss her, stupid. <laughs> uh, but uh, I want to uh, point out in that 1993, I was 11. So why was I barely seven, liked wh- boys, let alone do what lesbian stuff was. Well, I was going to say, and in the meantime, in 1993, I was uh, I was 17, which is a whole nother kettle of fish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You Dad, I was teenager. 25. Hormonally so. speaking, how's that? Uh, 24, 25, and I was like, yeah, okay, maybe. <laughs> you know, so maybe they are. But I just didn't really, it didn't, it, it didn't, it, to me, it didn't say lesbian movie. That's not yeah. really what it was about. It was about, no. it was about two love. people who loved each other. Exactly. Yeah. It was a love story. Whether you want to look at us as a friendship or whatever. <laughs> it was definitely a love story. To me, the, the, the Evelyn, no, not Evelyn, Ninny, Ninny and, yeah, Ninny and Evelyn part is almost irrelevant. Like, you, you would have had yeah. an entirely different movie if you had just left those two out. I will agree with that, absolutely. I think we were talking about this a little bit before the program. Uh, hence the Southern Gothic adjacent phrasing that uh, that Nate has, as opposed to just being straight up Southern Gothic, which it absolutely would have been without the contemporary context. Are you saying yeah. they should have left out the contemporary context? That's what I don't know it. about I don't know about that because, because Jessica Tandy is absolutely luminous. And uh, she yeah. also yeah. said as long that they still live as long as she, as somebody still tells their stories and still talks about them. I mean, it, it's Just deriving the way that they you know were like you know, telling Buddy's story, his tall yeah. tale, yeah. and he was still with them. It's a it's so. deriving a different message out of the material than the Southern Gothic past by itself uh, would have lent itself to. That's it, it. Kind of gives the movie the point, but it possibly makes the main meat of the movie less interesting as a byproduct of that. I, now I, that 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 said, I do want uh, a, a couple of shout outs for this vicinity. Uh, just to diverge very slightly here. Oh no, uh, I was going to respond to you. <laughs> oh, okay. Go ahead. I'll, 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 I'll come back to it. No, uh, I was going to say, I, I think in a way, um, they they bring the Kathy Bates uh, and and uh, Jessica Tandy portions bring a moment of levity in what would otherwise be an extremely dark film in the way it deals with with violence against women and racism. Uh, if we didn't have those moments to go back and and hear the story being told, uh, it might have been a much harder watch, especially for a mainstream audience. It, it, it turns what could have been a Lionsgate production into a Universal production. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Jess, was that structure in the book as well? Uh, to the best of my recollection, yes. Okay. Because there's ta- there's more detail. Like, uh, I don't know if like all they do in the movie is basically show the Mary Kay sticker on the back of Evelyn's car. But there's a there's a big thing in the book where Ninny tells her what pretty skin she has, and she ends up becoming a Mary Kay consultant. And you know, getting a pink Cadillac, and so like, there's a, there's actually much more to that. I, well, I don't know if that's actually, you know, it, it did have probably a little more of it in the book. Ninny did have recipes. the line. Ninny did have the line about uh, her uh, uh, complexion uh, in the movie, but I yeah. think that uh, that she the should shot get into later, cosmetics. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that was about the extent of that. Yeah, we we and kind think... of have to we kind of have to infer that she actually did get a job until she says you know she's working. 
Well, we haven't yeah. seen any of it, but it's a thing that's apparently happening. Well, we saw the sticker on her car. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's interestingly like the the big thing, the big difference between books and movies. In the book, you read like three paragraphs about like Evelyn's luminous skin, you know, and and in the movie, it's literally a line. So if you don't catch it because your kid is running through the room or the cat's jumped <laughs> on you or whatever, then you miss it entirely. <laughs> so. I guess that goes to show how quickly things can be summed up in film, because it's like a 250, 300-page book. Now, so. now uh, I, mentioning the recipes actually does make me a little bit more uh, interested to actually give the book a, a look at some point, just because the, uh, the location in Juliet, Georgia, where they actually had the Whistle Stop Cafe, was subsequently turned into the Whistle Stop Cafe. So before I ever actually saw the movie, I ate fried green tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe, and they were delicious. Wait, <laughs> they, I thought it was in Beaufort. Might have been. No, it's, no, I, I, no, I believe uh, it was, I think it was Juliet. Jenner is actually correct, because when we were looked, when I was looking at the movie on IMDb, something popped up, and there's like a documentary or a short film about how this movie saved Juliet, Georgia. Oh, okay. So it's like Juliet, Georgia. And the Whistle Stop Cafe or something. Yeah, but at one point, my parents uh, made a point of dragging us out uh, out to, to the Whistle Stop Cafe to eat, and it was the first time I had fried green tomatoes, and I felt exceedingly awkward actually asking for them. But my God, they were freaking good. I I've never, I need to make some. I've never had proper Southern uh, fried green tomatoes. I only lived in the South for two years, never had them there. I had fried green tomatoes once around, I think, in D.C., but it was like a modern place. It wasn't like the proper Southern style. So, I mean, they sound awesome. I, I'd love to try them sometime. Do they have I them? In, wish... Do they have them in Charlotte? I mean, next time I visit. Yes. Yes, I think uh, New South near us serves them, and there <laughs> used to be a great restaurant called The Dish that I'm not sure is still around that also serves great fried green tomatoes. Or I could make them if I, my tomato plants are going. I gotta, so, uh, I gotta uh, say, I, I have never wanted barbecue so much as, <laughs> as watching this movie. Th this okay. movie, yeah. Yes, J Jane, you have comments. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, you know, I've always been a little curious about cannibalism, but anyway. So. <laughs> I mean, if those were his ribs on the on the grill there, they looked pretty good. They, they looked pretty good. Yeah. They looked like there were too many to be human, though. It, it, I mean, it, I yeah. did kind of count it. It looked like there were. Well, I'm going for authenticity. I'm kind of imagining Big George cooking up the pigs along with the dude. You oh, know. okay. Yeah, so you have a little yeah. bit of mixture. Yeah, I, anyway. I thought it was funny how you know it was sort of this like dig at the inspector, like haha, he's he's a cannibal now. That inspector <laughs> was kind of a dick, but he had every right to be doing what he was doing. He was fucking 100 percent correct in his suspicion. He was not 100 well, okay, percent correct technically, because but, he believed that. Itchy but, did it, and it was 50. She, but she was complicit in it. She was involved in it. And she, so he was just doing his job. He was doing it properly. Yeah. And yeah, he was kind of a jerk to everybody, but he was... To say nothing of, you know, he was you know, working for the fundamentally corrupt police infrastructure of the time. To say nothing of the fundamentally racist societal infrastructure of the time. But yeah, as, he, as, yeah. As he, he was under, an N-word user. Yeah, as he understood his job, he was doing it correctly. Well, but you know, Frank did beat his wife with uh, more than a than an open hand. You know, I mean, come on, <laughs> he did beat yeah. her with a with something thicker than a stick the, the size of his thumb. I mean, well, you know, it's it against the law. It was against the law. Yeah, yeah lending, lending itself. If he had just left his hand open and maybe used a much smaller switch, yeah, maybe she would have stayed. I don't know. 
I'm sorry, I'm being completely facetious, but. <laughs> no, uh, but I mean, you know, the uh, the visceral brutality of this film, uh, both suggested and overt, particularly as regards the character of Frank, both giving and receiving, is not something one tends to expect going into a picture that was sold the way that this movie was. With you know, with the yeah, you know, the, hap- the happy smiling faces of the two pairs of women on the video box, and. This, oh yeah, no, they eat long pig, and it's good. <laughs> this is that that poster. I'm pretty sure they didn't, because they were all like side eyeing Curtis Moot when wow. he ordered like a six plate, and they were yeah. like, <laughs> like I'm pretty sure everybody was... in the know at the Whistle Stop Cafe avoided having any barbecue that go round. <laughs> but I, there were only three might... people who knew. Well, you know, if six you're gonna cook door, up a human, itchy, yeah. <laughs> If you're gonna cook up a human, you may as well try it, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is this is absolutely. If if there is any takeaway from this program as a whole, that is absolutely it. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) eating people is a okay, or or at least it's worth trying. Uh, I I I I, I ever want to get rid of a body, I need to run a barbecue restaurant. Oh yes, no. That's yeah. uh, I. I think uh, yeah, that probably has happened historically a lot more times than a lot of us are probably giving it credit for or know about. Uh, <laughs> well, no, if you uh, consider that they say big pigs will eat a human body, one way or another, that yeah. bo- that body's getting handled. Uh, yeah. No, no. I had I had to explain to explain to one of my coworkers uh, uh, last week uh, who actually does listen to this program. Hi, Skip. Uh, that uh, that uh, uh, or uh, what exactly long pig is, and uh, if anyone offers uh, offers you lamb armistan, feel free to give it a try. But if they offer to show you the preparation of lamb armistan, do not under any circumstances go back to the kitchen. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, but no, like I say, this was uh, in 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 some ways this is sort of a distant progenitor of the current Yollywood uh, explosion. Uh, around uh, this vicinity, particularly Fayetteville, it was actually the Win Dixie uh, was uh, the Win Dixie that I frequented in Fayetteville, Georgia, uh, at the time that this was being filmed. It uh, subsequently turned into a Gold's Gym and is now, I believe, I think it's called Park Avenue Thrift. That uh, that particular plaza has gone way downhill. But it did give uh, give all of us in the vicinity a certain swell of pride uh, when the film was originally released. I will say that is one of my favorite um, scenes in the film. That's everybody's when, favorite yeah, scene. Yeah, when Kathy film. Bates decides she's not going to take any more shit. She, and it's just she's like, as, <laughs> but Yeah, the more insurance scene is legendary. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea how much good revenge would be in this movie. I love a good revenge. And it's it's in here. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, Told you no, it'd be I worth say, a watch. It's like I said, there there are a couple of choices, uh, particularly as concerns the soundtrack, uh, not so much the score. The Thomas Newman score, I think, starts off sounding like a Randy Newman score, but by the end actually sounds like a Thomas Newman score. They are cousins in any event, but uh, it, the opening makes it sound a lot jauntier than most of the movie actually ends up being. Uh, so I think there might be a little bit of a fake out there as well. But the the needle drops for like what becomes of the brokenhearted and that sort of thing have that the con they 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 don't feel like they've aged terribly well, and I think they probably would have done that sort of thing rather differently if they were to redo it today. But it's it's 
it's how they sold frickin' records as a uh, as a, a tie-in at the time, I guess. And if I recall, the the soundtrack for this actually did rather well. So I can't fault, as I always say, I can't fault the people the living that they're making. Uh, yeah, it's still not not a great soundtrack. The score, however, aside from the weird jauntiness of the opening, uh. I, I think it actually, to a great extent, represents uh, Thomas Newman very much coming into his own as a, as a composer in his own right. I mean, he had done a few things before this, uh, but this was one of his uh, you know, first really successful studio projects. Um, Are you gonna? That was the extent of my comments on that subject. <laughs> <laughs> Were you gonna say something, Jess? I was going to say, are you going to leave this really long pause in there? <laughs> oh, no, of course it. not. No, I always cut the pauses out. However, I leave all of our talking in, so we will talk about the pauses, but nobody will hear them. <laughs> yes, I'm ruining that's the podcast on day one. That's editing. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, well, I mean, there, there were some instances where I thought, I think there may be a longer version of this around somewhere that I just haven't seen. There are a couple of slightly awkward cuts that I noticed, uh, such as... Uh, on uh, what was the guy's name? The uh, the uh, uh, no no not him. Uh, the goofus who uh, ended up as the sheriff in Whistle Stop. Uh, the bit where he says to uh, the out of town clansman, uh, Grady. 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 Yeah. Grady. Yeah, Grady that's right. Where where he says, you 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 guys, I haven't seen you guys around here, and then it just cuts. I have a feeling that that scene probably went on went on a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. I of think course. it did. I seem to remember them, him actually talking about their shoes. Oh, no, wait, that's true because they were from Alabama. No, they're from Georgia. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get the feeling that uh, that some of this ended up on the cutting room floor. I mean, granted, at 130 minutes, it's already a pretty indulgent running time by 1991 standards. Uh, but there, I, I can see the seams here and there. But uh, ultimately... If I'm maybe a little meh on the present day stuff, aside from it's always nice to watch Jessica Tandy, and it's always nice to see Kathy Bates, even if she's playing a character who is not nearly as smart as Kathy Bates for the most part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, but I thought it, I thought she was just sweet and well, she comes she comes into her own. And I thought it was just well done. But how, at the same time, how weird is it to cast Kathy Bates as a sweetheart? Why not? I mean, this was before I mean, Misery, right? Yeah. So, well, yeah, no, but even no then, it was not. It was this not was okay. after misery. No, so, misery I mean, was even big... then, yeah, this was several years after misery. I mean, Kathy Bates does, you know, horror and and uh, you know, serious, severe stuff very well. But I mean, why can't she do the fun, sweet stuff? I think I think she does I'm not, I'm a not fine sa- job. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it's odd. <laughs> um, I will say I, I, I was I was not a fan of like Evelyn Couch early in the film because I felt the character was just so cliche, cartoonish. Like, yeah, yeah, shoving candy in her face nonstop, like just yeah. prostrating herself before her husband. Like, I mean, I know that was. I was glad there was character development, and it was nice to see her grow some backbone. But at the very beginning, she did just feel really cartoonish because it was like, I can't stop eating candy. I'm fat. And I'm like, she, to me, she didn't even, I, I thought she looked good. And yeah. they just, you know, put her in these baggy clothes. I mean. Yeah, it's because you, no, you, you didn't know modern that. day fat yet. You didn't know modern day America fat at the time. Or, or <laughs> we, we, we didn't. But so. I will also say that we slid it up over two nights because uh, Jenner had to work early <clears throat> on Monday. Or wait, no, this morning. He had to work early this morning. So we split it up over to two nights. So we kind of got past the sad, cartoonish, you know, 
by the time that we eating. returned, by the time we returned to the picture, Evelyn was kind of coming, starting to come into her own. So, right. Yeah. So it, it was easier to forgive because I'd kind of forgot. Yeah. I will uh, say, I will say, aside from the long pig, this movie also made me want Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> from that yeah. scene where she, yeah. Well, that's absolutely fair. So, and maybe a Wix bar. <laughs> I think that I think those were Snickers's. There was more no, than one candy twix. eating scene. Yeah, she it was definitely a twix. twix I, like the I, second time around, yeah. I, I know my candy bars, Jenner. You know movies. I know candy bars. Okay. <laughs> Nate will I, back me up on this. She knows her candy bars. Yeah. I would yeah. not. I would not presume to debate you. Um, I would be remiss if I did not bring up Stan Shaw as uh, yes, Big George. Yes. Um, One of the all-time underrated that guys. Yeah, yeah. I re- I always remember him from Monster Squad, as uh, as the detective's partner, as the the dad detective's partner. Uh, he's wonderfully acerbic in in that film, and um, in in this one, he is just his his kind of kind stoicism is his I am so tired look is so perfect for the character. He. He's just, he's a great actor, and I love seeing him do good work. Dude has almost no lines, and to me, has one of the greatest performances in the film, because he's just such a presence mm-hmm. in, like, every scene. that He is, like, you just know, you can see the love in his eyes You can for, like, it, little Iggy, and the look on his face, to me at least, and I felt he had just this amazing presence, like, oh, there's Big George, is what I thought every time he was on, on scene. Oh yeah, just but, just yeah. just as a physical presence, he's you know, one of the all-time great character actors. He you know fully occupies the space that he occupies, but he still leaves plenty of you know space and oxygen for everybody around him. No, I I I absolutely agree with you. He's one of those actors I always love to see in a movie because he's he he never sets a foot wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay, we just comment on both the performances of like Mary Louise Parker and Mary Stuart Masterton in this film. They were just like, Look, like I, I don't really think of Mary Louise Parker in anything before Weeds. I mean, I know she's yeah, mm-hmm. stuff, but same. <laughs> and I kept harking back to Weeds. Yeah, and so it's like she just—I mean—they both do such an incredible, heartfelt job. Like you feel, and like just in the touches, like the hair behind the ear and the way they look at each other throughout the movie. Like you feel like you know—I don't know. Oh, they're—they're they're both just wonderful. Uh. Their southern accents aren't even particularly good. Uh, the only good, really good southern accent in the movie is Jessica Tandy's. Uh, but uh, never, nevertheless, the luminance of the performances are enough to put, uh, uh, and, and, and the, the deep feeling of the characters is enough to put it across. Yeah. Uh, and of course, this, this was the first time that Mary Louise Parker came onto my radar. Uh, Mary Stuart Masterson, uh, of course, had been around for a few years and stuff like uh, like uh, John Hughes's uh, Some some Kind of Wonderful. And uh, uh, Was this after Betty and June or was this before? I, I didn't this know. was, I believe, it was right around the same time. I think it was just before. Okay, I think that's where I first saw her was Benny and June. I love Benny and June. Yeah. Yeah, but they're 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 both just lovely, and I don't just mean aesthetically. I mean they're uh, the, both of the performances are just just beautiful. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen Benny and June. What? Oh, it's good. Put it's it on the pile. It's not bad. We have to bring right. Jess back that. and put it on your pile. <laughs> yeah, put it on. I'll 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 come back for Benny and June. That's one of my favorite Johnny Depp performances. So. It was pretty good. 
I mean, yeah. performance. The movie is not bad. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go along with that one. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all right. <laughs> it might, it, then again, I also have not watched that in like 10 years, so it might be one of those things I go back and watch and go, huh. Well, I mean, I not haven't seen it. as good as I remember. I don't, think I, I don't think I've seen it since college, but my reaction was, oh, that's just fine. Ooh, Aiden Quinn. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> it's amazing the amount of times you'll say that in your life. Ooh, Aiden yeah, I know, Quinn. right? <laughs> I mean, sooner or later, Aiden Quinn. Anyway, <laughs> he is inevitable. <laughs> I, I I would look at Fried Green Tomatoes as a movie that is one really really clever fan edit away from being a really great movie. Uh, as it is, it's. In some ways, not as good as I remembered it being, but the parts that I remembered being good were better than I remembered them being. I enjoyed it a lot. I for for a first watch, I I wish I'd seen it earlier. Uh, it's one of those one of those films on the pile where you really kind of wish you'd seen it during its heyday, um, back when everybody was talking about it. Uh, but I I really enjoyed my time with it. Uh, all the performances were were really good it was just it was a it was a well-made film and uh it surprised me at every turn yeah i agree with that i i totally didn't expect this movie coming in you know after steel magnolias i was like oh another one uh you know <laughs> and, and, and when i and when i searched for steel magnolias the first thing that came up was steel magnolias second thing was black steel magnolias third thing was fried green tomatoes so uh, i did think there were so there were there were two death fake outs in this movie which i think was maybe one too many there was uh what buddy with his arm there was the close-up of the uh the tombstone for his arm and then of course at the end with uh uh jessica tandy otis yeah yeah yeah. i was like ah it's a little bit manipulative there there is a distinct degree to which the movie takes a little bit too much pleasure in fucking with you (laughs) <laughs> when that's when... exactly what southern women take pleasure in <laughs> well okay if it's mimetic i can't argue okay the uh the fake di- the fa- fake mrs threadgood's ninny threadgood's uh fake death and the nurse coming in and being like no she just left reminded me so much of arrested development oh yeah with the uh yeah, the doctor. i'm sorry i'm sorry we lost him oh god you lost him <laughs> no we i mean we can't find him <laughs> he's gonna be all right yay oh, i don't know i don't know i'd react like that what do you mean well he, we had to cut off his left hand so he's gonna be all right <laughs> Classic. as was buddy jr oh yeah yeah there we go um before we head off does anybody have any final thoughts on fried green tomatoes um i'm glad well i'm glad we saw steel magnolias first because this is fried green tomatoes, I feel stomped it into the ground. I agree. I'm, I'm glad yeah. I watched it in that order yeah. too. Yeah. I actually, I sp- seal magnolias. Whether you like it or not, will make you tired all over. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, fried green tomatoes uh, made me wish there was more of it. Well said. Yeah. And I will say, I'm glad that Nate finally watched this film because it's been so hard to keep the cannibalism plot twist from him. <laughs> well, your 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 long watch is ended. <laughs> I, I, I knew he'd like it because there's cannibalism. I I can't believe I went this long without knowing there's cannibalism in it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. We should maybe we should have done a ravenous and fried green tomatoes double feature. <laughs> I feel confident we can find another cannibalist uh, cannibalism picture to put along with ravenous one of these days. But, uh... 
That that's one I've seen, but probably need to revisit in its own right. That's so good. I, don't I still don't know how I feel about the score. I love it. I know you do. I still don't know how to feel about the score. I remember that score so well. Yep. That'll about do it for us here on What's on the Pile. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at What's on the Pile or visit our website, whatsonthepile.com. Thanks for hanging out.